Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, I'm uh, super excited this morning to have Scott and Charlene Collier with us. Scott and Charlene have been pastors here in our district. They pastored in a town called New Sharon. And then they most recently were pastoring in Burlington, Iowa. And uh, I've gotten to know Scott in, in that capacity as a pastor in our district, and especially now as a pastor in our section. So I've got to know him that way. And then recently they've joined, they've become U.S. missionaries, and he's coming to share a little bit about what they're doing, also a little bit about his story. And so Scott, will you come and, and share your heart with us, brother? And don't forget to in, in, introduce your wife. <laughs> and his family. I forgot first service, so <laughs> thank you, Pastor Rich. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Well, God bless you. Thank you for, uh, for having us and, and being here. Uh, we are uh, missionaries, U.S. missionaries with Rural Compassion, or sorry, backtrack. <laughs> we started out with Rural Compassion, and just recently, God opened up doors and maneuvered some things that now we are missionaries with Convoy of Hope, and Convoy of Hope is starting a brand new ministry called Rural Initiatives, and it is to... to we work to strive to help Miss Earth. Can we start over? <laughs> For U.S. missionaries of Convoy Hope, Rural Initiatives, we work with pastors and, and churches in rural communities to mentor, to encourage, empower, and resource them, and to be the best people, best churches that they could be so people will come to know Jesus right where they are at. And, uh, and our focus is, is, uh, is our mantra, again, which I forgot, first service. We believe this, a healthy pastor will equal a healthy church will equal a healthy community. If your pastors and pastors are healthy spiritually and emotionally and physically, then they're in a good place where they can have a healthy family, they can come into church and minister in a healthy place where the church can be healthy, either get healthy or stay healthy. And when a, healthy, when a church is healthy, the church can go out into the community and be a healthy representation for Jesus. So a healthy pastor equals a healthy church equals a healthy community. And uh, I just want to tell you, Pastor Rich is a, is a good friend, and it's so good to see you know, him in this place. And, and we, we talked about this back in July, you know, this healthy place, and it's good to see him in a healthy place and, and a healthy church. Because the problem is the churches in the United States today aren't healthy. 4,000 churches a year are being closed up, and the majority of them are in rural places. And only 1,000 churches a year are being opened, and most of those are in urban places. The metropolises. And so the, the rural church, and you know, we learned over the last few years, I think we've really realized the United States, the majority, probably 99% of the United States, is rural. And like I mentioned this morning at the first service, it's like Iowa is rural. Even Iowa City. There are cornfields in Iowa City. It's rural. And I love that. I love rural America. And so that's what we get to do, and we get to you know, be, be part of that. And we're thankful that Life Church is a partner of ours. You, you partner with us. We're so thankful for that. Uh, but if you want to follow what we are doing, what God is doing through this ministry, we invite you to go to our website, ruralscott.com, and you can follow us, what's going on there. You can also go to Facebook uh, and join our, our Facebook group, Scott Charlene Collier, U.S. Missionaries. And you can follow us and keep updated what's going on in there. Um, so that's what we're doing. Pastor Rich asked me back in July to share a little bit of my story. We were sitting down and we were talking. He goes, Scott, he goes, I haven't heard your testimony. He goes, let's hear this. And so two hours later, he's like, hey, I would like you to preach that on a Sunday morning. I'm like, how long do I have? He's like, 25 minutes. I'm like, what? I got, you know, I didn't cover everything that two hours. And so, but 
I, I am humbled and honored every time I get to come into a church and, and to speak and share what God is doing uh, in our ministry, but even most, more so what he's done in me. Um, and what he's done in me is a representation of, of our scripture that we're going to share this morning, and uh, it's this in Ephesians chapter 2. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that, that you have been saved. It, this, it amazed me in the first service, and it amazed me even during the time of worship we've already had this morning, how the, the worship set that the worship team saying fits into everything I'm going to talk about this morning. But I want to make this passage personal, and I want you to read it personal like God is talking to you, because this is where it is in my heart today. But it says this, but God so rich, in, so rich in his mercy loved me so much that even though I was dead because of my sin, he gave me life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that I have been saved. I love it when we personalize a passage like that, and it, and it brings out so much more depth and, and even more so, at least for me, and I believe this for everybody, everybody has a testimony. And that's one of those songs, we, again, we sang, this is my testimony. So this is my testimony. I grew up in not a, it wasn't a Christian home. Um, I remember watching a football game with my dad one time and saw a sign, John 3.16. I'm like, what's that? And, and he's like, I'm not really sure, but let's, I can find out. So I, he found out for me. My family background's a lot of drinking, drugs, just a, a lot of things. But we, we had good morals, but the problem was I didn't apply those morals to my life. Um, throughout high school, you know, I, I just, I did a lot of things. I even, you know, did all kinds of drugs and drinking and, and even sold drugs for a little stint while I was in school. Thief, liar, I mean, all these things. And I kept trying to fill this void and, and, and drinking seemed to really fill it, and, you know, and marijuana seemed to fill it, you know, fill it at the point because when I was least, you know, high or drunk, I was happy. So I thought. And so I just kept doing it. Well, at one point after I graduated from high school, which I barely graduated high school, my, G, my cumulative GPA was 1.35. The only reason I graduated from high school because they didn't want me there anymore. And the reason why I stayed in high school was because my dad told me if I, if I dropped out, he was kicking me out. So I stayed, but I graduated and I got out. And after I got out, I moved in with four of my friends. And, and we, we, five of us lived in this apartment. And we, we worked to party. We partied to work. And we just kept drinking and kept drinking. That's just what, what we did. Well, on August 13th, 1988, I'm at a bowling alley for a, for a meeting uh, for a new league that I'm going to be joining in. And in walks this flat-out gorgeous woman. And I'm like, I really the door with my sister. I'm like, I'm marrying her. She goes, you don't even know her. I'm like, I don't care. I'm marrying her. Well, being an ex-drug dealer, drunk, thief, I was a great liar. You don't go to jail. You don't go to prison. You don't get, you know, even, you know, arrested without, you know, not that happening without being a good liar. Well, in three months, I convinced her to marry me. Three months later, Thanksgiving weekend of 1988, I convinced her to marry me. During our engagement for the next few months, she ended up getting pregnant. We got married March 4th, 1989. Our first child was born in August of 1989. So no honeymoon period. None. Not even a year later, we have our second child. Still absolutely no honeymoon period. 
We thought getting married was going to fulfill something in us, that void that we had. And it turned out that, that you know, because we didn't get married for the right reasons and we weren't focused on our relationship, building our relationship, it was kind of, at least on my part I can say this, we, it was selfish. I got married to fill something that I needed. We became roommates with children. And honestly, at one point, we probably disliked each other pretty bad. And it was in the fall of 1991 that I committed adultery on that woman. And that's when I realized my marriage was really bad. Spring of 1992, I'm sorry, the beginning of 1992, I was managing a Domino's Pizza in Charlotte, Michigan. And uh, the owner came up to me and he replaced me, hired somebody else that, because the other person said they could raise, you raise the sales, raise the profit. So he removed me. And so I went and worked two jobs to make partially what I was making as a Domino's Pizza manager. And uh, spring of 92, in the midst of all this, I'm starting to drink more. Our relationship's even worse in our marriage. I have two kids. I have no idea how to be a father or even a husband. And uh, my parents get saved. They meet Jesus. And they start telling me about Jesus, how great he is, how awesome he is. He could change my life, and he's what I need. And I never, never forget the night. I'm in a Metro Bowl uh, bowling alley. I was working there part-time. Third shift, my, my dad was working there too. He got me the job and, and he came in at the beginning of his shift and he looks right at me and he goes, Scott, you need Jesus. He goes, he can help you. He can get you through all of this. He can give you what you need. And I looked right at my dad and I put my finger in his face. I said, would you please stop talking about your mumbo jumbo religious cult Jesus? I don't want it. Stop talking to me. He did. And so did my mom. Stop, talk, stop talking about Jesus. So fast forward, we get into like September of 1992. Things are getting worse. Relationships getting worse. Work is worse. My whole life just seems to be worse. And the owner of the store that, that replaced me calls me up and says, hey, would you like to buy the Domino store? I'm like, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a drunk. I have no money. My wife was washing cloth diapers by hand because I was drinking the money away. How in the world would I be able to buy a store? Let, you know, have the money to do it, let alone get a loan, or have corporate approve it, because corporate Domino's has to approve like any sale of stores. He goes, but let's try. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So we try for a couple months. And December 4th, 1992, he calls me up. He goes, hey, corporate wants to meet with you. I'm like, why? He goes, they, he goes, they're considering letting this deal go through because he was willing at this point to carry the note for me, like on a land contract. He goes, but they want to meet with you face to face. Again, uh, you know, I worked for Domino's, I worked for a corporate office, worked for a franchise, and so I, you know, they knew me, you know, in, in Michigan. That's where the headquarters is, the world headquarters. So they knew me. I worked with them many times. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. I said, what time? He goes, December 5th, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I said, okay, headquarters. So we're finishing up the you know, day at work and stuff, and evening comes, and, and I'm sitting in the office, and I was reminded about my parents, what they said about Jesus. I wasn't an atheist. I just didn't know anything. And I prayed for the very first time, a very simple prayer. I said, God, if you're real, get this deal to go through. And that was it. Crazy, right? Yeah, that was my mentality. Well, because I have no money, remember? And so I'm finishing up final paperwork, getting ready to close up, and one of our employees, she comes in, her name is Sandy, the little sassy Italian lady. She comes in, 50 years old, single, 
She comes in and she goes, Scott, I need to talk to you. And just how she said it, I'm like, is she quitting on me? I said, oh, I said, sure, Sandy. I said, what's up? What can I do for you? And she hands me a check. And she goes, I felt like you needed this. I said, for what? She goes, you're trying to buy the store, right? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I felt like you needed this. Sandy was not a Christian. She was actually an atheist as well. She goes, but I felt you needed this. I opened it up as a check for $5,000. She goes, will that help? And I'm like, yeah. My first thought was, that's a lot of alcohol. (laughs) It really was. So I put the check in my pocket and and like go on and I go home and I get up that morning and I'm driving to Ypsilanti, Michigan. And I go there and I walk into the boardroom and there's five CEOs, there's two of my past supervisors when I worked for corporate and, and the current franchise supervisor all there sitting down. For two hours, they drill me about my character. They drill me about my knowledge of dominoes. They drill me about, you know, just like liability stuff, you know, all this, the law, horrible. I left there thinking, that was horrible. I go to work, I, go, I drive right from that meeting right to the domino store, and I, and I go in, and I'm sitting in the office doing some paperwork, and Char calls me, and, uh, and, she pick, and I pick up, she goes, how'd it go? I said, horrible, absolutely horrible. It's the only thing I could get out. And I hung up. A couple minutes later, the owner calls on his private line, and he goes, Scott, how'd it go? I'm like, horrible. He goes, yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. But, and here's where I learned the power of the word but. He said, but all of them agreed. For some unknown reason, they felt like they needed to give you a chance. He goes, so December 7th, we're signing papers at my lawyer's, their, my lawyer's office, and you're going to be the new owner of a Domino's pizza store. I hung up the phone. Domino's Pizza Office. No pastor, no other Christians, just me. I hung up the phone. I fell to my knees and I cried out to God. God, you're real. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a horrible father. I'm a drunk. I smoke two and a half pack cigarettes a day. I can't see him say a sentence without swearing. But obviously, you're real. So here I am. Here I am, God. What now? (laughs) Don't ask that question. (laughs) Don't ask that question. The what now? Remember, we have two kids. First, let me say this. God is a redemptive God. He's a redeeming God, a God that loves you more than you can ever imagine. Remember I said I married a woman that we actually had a bad relationship. We were just roommates, right? I committed adultery on this woman. That woman is still my queen, my bride, and my best friend. So would you welcome my wife, Charlene? That's the beginning of my God story, of but God, but God, but my God delivered me from all my addictions without any withdrawals at all, instantly. Over a course of three years, we built our relationship, and over the course of the, of the next 29 years, I, I can honestly say, do we have issues? Of course we do. We're married. That's life. But she's my best friend. 
She's amazing. And she is, is the mother of, of this tribe of mine. They get to see. We now have six children. Five of them are married. At the, at the time of this photo, uh, July 3rd, we had eight grandchildren. Now we have nine grandchildren because this couple right here, my, my youngest son and his wife, Michaela, just had our ninth grandchild, another princess to the Collier clan. Her, her name is Finley. I don't have that picture because it's that new. Just two days ago, they had this precious little baby. So when we sing that song, the blessing song, that God will give you favor upon favor upon your children, your children's children, I think of my past and I think, but my God, but my God, my God did this. My God delivered me. I, I, there, it was amazing that I wasn't like dead because of drunk driving. It was amazing that I wasn't in, in prison, seriously, prison a few times. There's so much I, that I could share, but I just can't because there's just not time. But my God, because he is so rich in his mercy and loved me so much, right? That, that scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, personalize this, people, but, but God is so rich in mercy, loved me so much that even though I was dead because of my sin, and there's a lot of sin, he gave me life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only because of that that I am saved. I am redeemed. I am bound to heaven. And God has given me a future and a plan for my life that I could have never dreamed of. I thought owning a business was great. It was. But you know what's even greater? When God puts a call on your life and he calls you to something that you don't want to do. <laughs> Mine happened in 1994. I came home from work one night I open up my Bible, and, I, and I'm, I'm you know, trying to read through you know, the Bible, and I'm in Isaiah, and, it, and this, I'm a brand new Christian, and I'm reading Isaiah chapter 6 for the very first time. And I read these words, whom shall I send? And Isaiah, Isaiah, what a jerk. <laughs> he says, send me, Lord. I'm like, you're a fool. And God says, Scott, I want you to be a pastor. I looked at my Bible, closed it. No. I like owning my own business. I like being my own boss. Open it back up to Matthew, just randomly, just open it up, and the very first heading I see, the workers are few. God's like, Scott, I want you to be a pastor. I'm like, you're crazy. Me, a pastor? An ex-drug dealer? A drunk? A thief? A liar? An adulterer? How can you use me I'm, I'm a, like a year and a half into this walk with you. I know nothing. How, why, God? Why do you want to use me? Can I just like stay in Charlotte, Michigan and just keep owning a business and just, just move on? I'll open mo more stores, God. God, I'll open up 10 stores and I'll become a millionaire and just give a whole bunch of money to missions. Closed it. Nope. Not happening. Went to bed. That was on Saturday night. Next morning we get up. We're going to church. There's a missionary there. We're at this time, we're going to Central Free Methodist Church in Lansing. We're sitting there, and this missionary's coming in. He's giving all of his mission stories. I'm like, nah, that's awesome. This is really cool to hear all these things. And at the end of the service, he gets done. He goes, you know, usually I give a call for people who feel called to be missionaries to come on up. I want to pray for you. He goes, but I'm just feeling this tug in my heart that God is calling someone to be a pastor, and he wants to know you can't run from him. <laughs> and I'm like... What in the world? I stand up, 
Char gives me this look, what are you doing? She goes, seriously? I'm like, yeah. So I go up to the altar, and I'm, just, I'm crying the whole way, and I get up there, and my dear mentor, my dear friend, Dan Schinnebarger, he's our pastor there. He looks at me, he goes, really? I'm like, yeah, because he knows my past. I'm like, I don't know. Let's take it up with God. I, you know, I just don't get it, right? So they prayed over me, and this was in 1994. For six years, I kept trying to like, figure out what God wanted me to do. How am I going to do this? You know, and all these things. Because remember, I barely graduated high school. And in 1999, we, we, again, another long story how we, how we came into the Assemblies of God, but we did. And, and, and God opened a door for us to become uh, youth leaders in the Assembly of God church that was near our home. And uh, the pastor and I, we started talking about how he wanted me to become the youth pastor, but he wanted me to, you know, to get credentialed to the AG, which means taking classes. And I'm like, how am I going to take classes? How am I going to become a pastor? Well, I barely graduated high school. I remember I said, okay, so we started doing this, and, and they brought us on staff. So we took our, full, our first full-time ministry in uh, July of 2000, being youth pastors in, at, at Faith Assembly of God in Olivet, Michigan. And I remember the first time that I got this, this uh, Berean course, the home correspondence, and I'm looking, and I'm sitting this thing, and I'm trying to read like the first chapter through this. And I remember sitting at the table in our home in Olivet, Michigan, in, in our dining room table, and look down, and I start crying. And Shark comes up to me. She goes, what is wrong? I'm like, I can't do this. I don't understand this. I can't. I just can't. And she looks at me. She goes, I believe in you. You can do this. And I think she prayed for me. <laughs> I know she's been praying for me a lot, but she, I think she prayed for me at that moment. And over the next couple course of the next month when I'm trying to do this, God revealed to me that no teacher ever showed me or ever even found out, I have a learning disability. I have a comprehension disability. And, and through God and the Holy Spirit taught me how to teach myself. And I remember taking that test, just shaking through the whole thing. When, and back then you had to send them in snail mail and you had to wait for them to come back and you'll get the grade back. And uh, I get home from work that day and Star's like, hey, you got a letter from Brian. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, it's probably the grade and I don't want to open it. I just don't want to open it. You know, like those stupid movie scenes where it's like, are you accepted? Or, you know, with the envelope. No one, that was really me. She goes, just open it. I'm like, I just don't want to open it. I think you even opened it for me. And she threw it at me. I had like a 95%. And I'm thinking, God, at that point, it became real. It really became real that this is what he wanted me to do. So we became credentialed to the Assemblies of God. And in 2005, God sent us to New Sharon, Iowa. And in New Sharon, Iowa, we went in there as, as lead pastors this time. We left the youth ministry. We're going to a senior pastorate. We go in, and it's a church of like, I don't know, like 50, maybe 60 people. But the average age is maybe 60 and uh, we come in with our clan of six kids. <laughs> we definitely lowered the age instantly when we came in. But over the course of 10 years of pastoring that church, we've seen the hand of God, the power of God, the miracles of God, the wonders of God move in that community of 1,300 people, take that church that was dying and hurting at one point to 140 people with the average age of 30. 
that had an absolutely incredible relationship within the community and, and in the schools. And, and it was just amazing. And then I thought, you know what? God, I can retire here. But God. As soon as I said that, but God says, you know what? I'm going to move you. And then he moves us to Burlington. And we go into Burlington, and the church has just gone through like a, just a horrible time. It wasn't healthy. It was, it was a broken church, spiritually and emotionally. And over the course of, of six years, we saw God do again miracles and wonders and just powerful moves for the church when we left our last Sunday was July 20th or June 27th of this summer when we left the church during the whole COVID had grown financially, spiritually, numerically, had grown healthy church. And I made a mistake at that point too. Before that was actually January 2020 when I prayed. And, but God says, you're done pastoring, but you're not leaving Iowa. And I really thought, and I say this every time, I really thought I was having a midlife crisis. I'm like, how does that work? Not pastoring anymore, but you got to stay in Burlington. There's just so many things to that. And over the course of the next 18 months, God showed us. We started out with rule of compassion and uh, you know, just basically doing the same things we're doing now, mentoring, resourcing, empowering, equipping pastors. We started out with rule of compassion and then through an, an extensive four months, that God showed us to be able to, and guided us to be able to join a brand new ministry with Convoy of Hope. And when I look at all these things, and I look at my past, and, and, I, and, I, and I think of all the miracles and all the signs and the wonders of all the things that God has done in my life. It all stems from, but God. You see, because I look back at my past, and, and there's still, even 29 years later, there's still times that I look at myself as an ex-drug dealer. I see myself as an adulterer. I see myself as a thief and a liar. I see myself as a drunk. I see myself as a horrible husband, a horrible father. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Because the enemy just wants to do nothing but throw our past at us. But God gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us of who we are now. My past doesn't define me. My God defines me. I go back home, my hometown, Charlotte, people will still see the drunk. They'll still see the drug dealer. And they're like, are you really a pastor? Not anymore. Now I'm a missionary. Now, now I'm a pastor to pastors. I'm a consultant. I'm like, kind of like a consultant to churches, helping them through you know, hurts and pains and, and learning how to have relationships in their communities. I, I get to do something that's greater than I ever thought possible because I've, I learned to stop looking at my past and start looking to God. But God's so rich in his mercy and his love for me, even though I was dead to my sin, and oh, was I dead to my sin, made me alive in Christ. And if you go all the way down to the verse 10 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says, but God has planned out the work for you. So now when I look at everything that God has done in the 29 years, delivered me from my addictions, reconciled this marriage, added numbers to my clan. I, you know, when God said multiple, you know, be fruitful and multiply, we did. And we just have this amazing family that has so much history and, and possibilities and callings on them. When I look at that picture of my family, I'm like, God, I am so blessed. And it's all because, but God. Because I was willing to say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing. 
God, my past, help me keep it behind me. And when Satan says you can't, but my God says I can. And I want you to know, no matter what you have gone through, I don't care. I've done marriage counseling. When people say, you know, my spouse committed adultery on me, there's no hope. There's hope. There is always hope. Because God is the author of hope. Because Jesus is willing to come in and help you reconcile, help you through any hurt and circumstance. God can deliver you from any addiction. God can... You know, that, that dream that you have in your heart, what you felt like maybe in, in prayer or maybe in worship, God says, hey, I want you to go start this ministry. I want you to become a pastor. Oh, please, God, send more pastors. We need pastors. There's such a shortage in pastors. God could have put a call on your heart to become a pastor. It's never too late. Because, but God called you and he'll guide you and he'll help you no matter what your circumstances, no matter what you're going through, he is able the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. And you can do things you never thought possible because he is God. He's my God and he's your God. And as Pastor Rich comes up, I just, I just want to pray over you and pray for you. Would you stand as, as uh, we get ready to close this morning? Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for those who are just feeling this nudge in the heart, no matter what it is, Lord. Maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe it's an emotional healing. Maybe it's a deliverance from a drug. Maybe it's a reconciliation of a marriage. Lord, I know there will be prayer partners up here that are going to come up and pray with them. God, I pray that the move of your spirit right now will just start, Lord, just piercing hearts, guiding hearts, Lord. Lord, that you are the God of miracles. You're the God of signs and wonders. You're the God that spoke us into existence, and you hold it all in your hand. So God, I pray, Lord, for every single person, Lord, that's, that needs a but God moment, may your spirit speak to them loud and clear, and may you do what only you can do, because you're God, and you're all-powerful and all-knowing. Father, we thank you. We ask this in our Savior, our blessed Savior's name. Amen. Amen.